on. Everything seems perfect. And, uh, okay. David, how are you? Matzai Shabbos. We just had in the neighborhood, I have a very close friend, Aberbach. The grandson yeah, in Ma- 101 was killed, Arelli, 21 years old. Aberbach. Aberbach is the uh, is the grandfather, but Arelli, it's the do- it's the daughter who grew up in Hollywood, made Aliyah years ago from Beit oh, Be- Shemesh. God. We've lost over Shabbos lower lane it's the uh, but yeah, it's it's great. very, very heavy fighting. And uh, when you see paratroopers, you and I know how that feels. Well I have uh, my family held back news from me not to worry me, but I have four in Le- in Gaza, deep in Gaza. One uh, a doctor, one uh, t- uh, tank commander, Merkava four, one at San Khan, which is of, uh, Gol- which today is basically Golani. They don't use them as Sanchanim, they use them as Chel Raglim infantry. And uh, the fourth one is an artillery. I have two up north who have been in battle in Lebanon. One already was rewarded for what he did in Lebanon, cited. I have three in Yehuda Vishomran. You did not share in Shomran. Yehuda Inatniel, uh, Yehuda, right on Yad Hebron. And my tenth is the career officer, Neria, the youngest brother in the Ackerman family. So we have quite a bit. And uh, Shabbos, I saw endless uh, people in shoe with uh, M16s, even more important guns than M16s. It seems when they get out for Shabbos, they take the they must take the gun with them, yeah. and there's no place to lock it up. It's too big, even if someone has a safe in their house, it's not big enough for the gun. Yes, they so they have to keep it with them at all times, which uh, is a slight advantage that if there's anything in the shoe, we have people. <coughs> but okay, Jomo, you wanna put me on? Um, um, I see Victor, regards. I'm sorry, Ruby, I couldn't make it. I, I, I had guests. You don't have to apologize. I see so, Jack. and tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow. I see the toneless staring at me, and I see Brooklyn staring at me. So, Baruch Hashem, I'm in good, good company this morning. Uh, we're ready? Um... Recording in progress. Okay. okay. I can begin? Okay. Today is uh, Sunday, the 19th of November, 2023. And let me begin as we I want to begin this year. I've gotten endless emails, questions about the statement of 
some Rashi Yeshiva. It's not the majority, it's not all, but the two from Lakewood, one with Big Tells Yichesh, one uh, from Mir, and one from some Hasidic Yeshiva who came out with very strong words about participating in the watch, march on Washington. One one so if you're reading uh, what goes on on the website, so I'm not telling you anything you don't know, one even declared it's Chasatreif to go to Washington. I can only tell you, I'll quote to you uh, the story I've told many times, I tell it again now in context, the year was if I recall correctly, 1957, and uh, it was my first year with the Rav. I sat in the second row. I didn't sit the first row. I got the first row seat a year later. And um, there was a demonstration on Park Avenue, the Israeli consul, and after Shir, Hesachma demonstrated, and after Shir, uh, some of the elder fellows asked the Rebbe, uh, what is I am meaning? What is your feeling, your meaning, uh, your uh, opinion regarding the demonstration of Satma that made the front page of the New York Times? The Rebbe got hysterical and he said to in those days we didn't have Svarim in the classroom. It's not like today that every kid walks around with all of Shas and Rambam in his iPod in his hand, and uh, the Rav said uh, to a kid, go up to the Gottesman Library, one floor above, and bring me a Rambam, Hilchat Shuva. And the kid comes down, I, I can never forget this, I see it in front of my ears, I hear the Rav's voice, he says, open up to Parakimal Halachi Yeralef. And the Rambam, the Rav reads it, Parishman at Sibur. And the rough asking that the Shatma and those who follow him and of course, what this Rambam is saying is that you can be the firmest Jew in the world, but if you don't feel part of Am Yisrael, the pain, the suffering, the success, right? That was the rough sock, and that guides me until today. But I want to deal with a side question, and uh, no one has brought this up, and let me explain. I think it's very important to understand what's happening. And you know I've given many lectures on synagogue councils, not the time to redo, I've published on synagogue council. And on that issue I happen to be more right-wing than my own Rebbe. I was opposed to synagogue council from the day I entered the rabbinate and met reforming conservatives. So uh, people say to me, Synagogue Council, no, and Washington, yes, absolutely there's one basic difference. Synagogue Council, ipso facto, willy-nilly, you recognize reform and conservative. It's three different branches, so-called, joining together. Orthodoxy, conservative, reform. All right, there I can understand 
the feeling of the 11 Rosh Hashiva who were opposed, and the Rav's point of view which divided between inner issues, internal to external, external matters stand together, internal, no, but I can understand I was more inclined to the opposition because the minute you say we represent three branches, synagogue council representing RCA, rabbinic assembly, uh, whatever the reform rabbinate is called, uh, you represent OU, uh, United Synagogue, Central Organization, they have a name, I think it's Central Conference of Rabbis and the Organization of the Reform Synagogue. So right away you're recognizing. The, today we're talking about Klaun Yisrael saving the Jewish people. It has nothing to do with religion. Hitler never asked in Auschwitz whether you put on tefillin in the morning or not. The Arabs who have declared publicly the tragedy is that no one listens. I'll tell you even further. If I lived in Lawrence today, I would move to Beverly Hills tomorrow. Iran says they're going to destroy America with an atom bomb. Listen to what they're saying. Now, they can't throw a bomb at us because if they throw at us, they're going to kill the Arabs and the Har Habayat. That's why we can't throw a bomb either. When this wise guy from the Knesset said, bomb us, idiot, you're bombing us, or you're bombing Ashtad, you're bombing Ashkelon. But when they say, within weeks, they will have a bomb capable of being delivered to the East Coast. They can't hit the West Coast. If you live in Beverly Hills, you're safe yet. Live in Lawrence, I wouldn't sell your life insurance. And this is our tragedy. They're out there. You saw what they did on Simchas Taylor. Now, you can say, I hear wise people saying, oh, the Mechal Shabbos, Mechal Plenty of from people were killed on Simchas Torah. That's the Gemara I quoted to you in Baba Kama Daf Samach. When, when there's a Gezerim and a Shemayim, it doesn't differentiate. The plague will hit from and none from. That's number one. Number two, if you're killed, I refer you to an article that a guy named Aaron Rakefet, maybe it was Aaron Rothkopf at the time, it appeared in Gesha. I don't know whether it appeared while I was still in YU there or here. I republished it in one of the first two volumes, I think it's volume two of Rakafet Aaron. I dealt with the whole question, if you're killed during the Holocaust, are you a Kadosh? Basically speaking, if you know the Sugya in, in Sanhedrin and you know the whole concept of Kadosh is if you're offered a choice, bow to the idol and you live, don't bow, we'll kill you. Arab, the, uh, Hitler didn't ask questions, he killed every type of Jew. Same thing what happened on Simchas when the Woodstock party. You heard my Shion Woodstock. Uh, I've gotten a lot of compliments. No one realized Woodstock is Avedazara. Of course it's Avedazara. And, and, and once you're killed because you're a Jew, that's the Gemara Sanhedrin, that's the Shuv of the Chatham Seifer that I quote. Once you're killed because you're Jewish, you're considered a Kadosh. So here we're demonstrating, and then the question is the efficacy of the demonstration.
Will it help? Will it accomplish anything? If I start lecturing on this topic, because of my work in the Mossad, I'll keep you from now until June. But let me come to my article in Hakira. Uh, Zach, have you seen the article yet? Okay, yes, I, I, I got message from America. You can ask uh, Vic Snow. Baruch Hashem, I've heard from others. Everyone is grabbing the article. Who knows? That may be a bestseller issue ever for Hakira. So, one way, the theme I developed in the article, and by the way, someone interviewed me Friday and he was very smart. He said, Rebbe, I felt there was something beneath the surface in this article, a trauma. I said, absolutely. All that research and all the quotes is because of the trauma I experienced in the mid-80s with uh, the Mossad and Halperin and what we wanted to do and what the rabbis Heitz and Shach canceled, I still suffer from that trauma until today. So you're asking about Rosh Yeshiva and Lakewood. Should we demonstrate? Shouldn't we demonstrate? Millions of Jewish lives are at stake. Not only my life and my children and my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, your lives. And you think it's going to stop here? Take a look at Canada and Australia who stand behind Hamas. And I have to tell you, with Biden, Americans don't understand this. They think Biden is Melech Mashiach. Biden opened his mouth over Shabbos. It's the end of the Jewish state. If you speak in terms of two states, that means no Jewish state. That's the concept that now has been deflated, has now been abolished. The Arabs, you're depending upon to have a state Look what they smuggled into Aza via Egypt and Jordan, states that supposedly have a peace treaty with us. Can you believe what they, do you believe the news? Do you believe the pictures you see? And we haven't scratched the surface. Wait till we see what they built underground. So we're, de we're demonstrating for the life. So you want to know the efficacy of the demonstration. Okay, I give you a very simple solution based upon my research and the conclusion I reached, which I challenged any Talmud Chacham to show that I'm wrong. Go to the experts. And I make a very simple suggestion. The OU has a representative in Washington. His name is Nathan Diamant. He happens to have been my student in BMT in the early years. They tell me that Nathan knows Washington politics, president, senators, House of Representatives like no one else. Tell me. We'll ask his opinion. Conference of Presidents, who developed it, who created it? Malcolm Honeline. He's the greatest Jew in America on that political savvy level. All right. I'm proud to say, also my student, 1961, I come to Lower Marion. Once a week I gave a year to U of P students. I have a picture of a young Aaron Rothkopf, ready to change the world and inspire everyone to be a Shema Mitzvah. 
and who's sitting next to me learning Gemara with me? Malcolm Honline, with a number of other UFP Jewish students. We'll ask Malcolm Honline, and then we'll go to Agudich Israel. They have an office in Washington. Who's your top man? I would ask this. Swibel, there's Shafrin, spokespeople, but someone in Washington. Give us the name. We'll ask him. And Baton Shane Shuckle, two out of three. They'll say demonstrate? Absolutely. I believe all three would say there was nothing like the demonstration that was held. And I have to tell you, the Kiddush Hashem I saw live here in Israel, had a live connection. I mean, it's an unbelievable world. You're in Jerusalem and you're watching Washington. 300,000 people saying Shema Yisrael. No? When was the last time that happened? Who knows if it ever happened before? 300,000. Then you saw the entertainment. You could think that all of Israel, all the entertainments are tzaddikim. Tzaddikim yesodei oilam. Wow. And I have to tell you something else. The result of the demonstration, not only on the politicians, on the president, you heard, you read my article, I trust, where I tell you about Regan and Gorbachev, and the result. You know how many more people have awakened to the fact, who am I? Not only in Israel, there are already endless stories of Bali Chuva right here, talking in America. I give you one simple example. My wife's first cousin, we're talking, my wife's family came to America in 1870. My wife has great-grandparents buried on Main Street, Mount Heaven Cemetery in Kew Gardens Hills. How many people remain from those that came in Aliyah? We have hundreds of direct descendants of my wife's family all over Israel, 99% Shomri Torah Mitzvah. I don't want to say 100 because it's not Shaykh 100, but it must be 99%. Hundreds I'm talking about. I can tell you endless names, families. And then a good part of the family remained in America. Very few remained Jewish. And Malka's first cousin got in touch with her and I, these are people, kids intermarried. And they totally woke up to who they are. They're now going to Shul Chabad and, and Malka's first cousin sends her this. It's, you know, we're not talking young people. These are people in their 80s. And she writes about some rabbi who she related from the other side of the family. And he's now giving podcasts and Judaism. And he writes, yesterday I had the great privilege of joining the Rochester Jewish Community Federation buses to the DC rally. What an experience to be with 300,000 of our brothers and sisters. There is much to talk about this historic event, but one takeaway is there, in capital letters, 
the Jewish heart is awakened and we have to keep doing good things with us. So I don't want to say another word on the topic. It hurts me, it pains me, but there was no greater mitzvah, chovah, demand that every Jew should have been Washington, D.C. at the rally. And finally, let me say, I am proud to be a member of the Yeshiva University staff. My dear student, who happens to be in, infinitely more important than his Rebbe, Rabbi Dr. President Ari Berman, sent out a letter on Friday. I picked it up Saturday night. Do you know that YU buses, Stern College, Yeshiva College, Rebbeim were on every bus giving Sheyurim to and from the rally? And this is Avata Torah. And I'll tell Yomo something. And remember, Yomo is only sitting here because we rallied in public and did not listen to those who detracted. It's only sitting here. You know where he would have been today? You asked the Rebani Shalom Yomo. Okay, I go up to heaven and ask him. You know where he would be today? Fighting for the Ukraines against the Russians. The Ukrainian army takes everyone up to 60. Yomo is almost there, but not quite. And, and Baruch Hashem, miracles, miracles that we have seen before our eyes. So it's just so sad that we're losing so many unbelievable, valuable lives. And I don't even know if Rabbi Berman, President Berman, is aware of all the YU losses in the battlefield. Follow me? Descendants, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I can spend the next hour talking about it, but it's not my desire. Adkan, Adkan the Rambam, Adkan my feeling, and I'm very proud that we from YU can say our Rebbeim gave Shirim on the buses. And Fiyomo, that's what I wanted to tell him. There was one tzaddik in Russia, the likes of which no one can equal. Could be in the Chabad world there were, but this was in the literature world. His name is Rabbi Zilba. Remember his first name, Yomo? Rabbi Yitzchak Zilba. Rabbi Yitzchak, right. Rabbi Yitzchak Zilba. And he got out in the early 70s, came to Israel, his son applied to Panovich. His daughter, by the way, is married. Someone who davens at the minion here, I think. Only no? in the summer. They live in, uh, she teaches in Michalau. She lives in Michalau. Teaches. Teaches. I know, I know. She she she's at Sadeke. That's his daughter. His son applied to Panovich, and he's shaking at the exam, and he apologizes. He only knew, say, the Nushim and the Zikim by heart. He thought you have to know four or five Sturim before you get into Panovich. That's Rabbi Zilba. Rabbi Zilba, you never met him not speaking and learning. And I remember going to Shevabrakas with him with people I taught in Russia, then got out and in Bnei Brak, 
And the whole way there on the bus, he's speaking and learning. This was Rabbi Zuba, and this was why you, these are Rosh Hashiva. Okay, with that being said, I want to pick up. I hope, uh, I, I don't want to come back to the topic. It pains me, it hurts me to call Rav Heshel Shechta and why you Rosh Hashiva and those who went Chaza. Uh, it's beyond words, beyond words. And that very Rosh Yeshiva is only alive because people demonstrated, yelled and shouted to save what could be saved from tells. Okay, chasatreif was the word he used. I can't believe it, but I've seen that on every website, so I have to accept the fact that it's true. All right. Now, we're dealing with, we haven't finished Thanksgiving and the Shia now gets lighter. It's, uh, we spoke about, there's one opinion, you see Rabbi Menashe Klein, absolutely forbidden to celebrate Thanksgiving. And there's no feeling in the tshuva of America, Hakaratatov, and that's a Hasidic point of view. We're in America we have to dress portable ghetto, black, not let ourselves integrate, don't you? And Rabbi Nasha Klein is consistent with all his open-mindedness that he's willing to answer Chuvat from Lakewood to YU, from Satma to Lubavitch. He will never allow any change. Judaism, the Strymel, the Bekisha, it's all part of our portable ghetto. Nothing should change. And his attitude, it's a fascinating shivit, brought us into the whole world, where you draw the line. We're all sitting in this class wearing shirts that are not necessarily Jewish. We're wearing eyeglasses that who knows where the frames, their different styles, not necessarily Jewish. Uh, but when all is said and done, he's not happy about Thanksgiving Day. Then we came to Reb Meisha. Reb Meisha already, and we read through this. We went through the three shivat last week, and Reb Meisha, I would say, leaves us uh, dancing back and forth. It's not solid ground. Yes, uh, to have a turkey on Thanksgiving, uh, all right, you have a family gathering, there's no singing, no dancing. I don't think at Thanksgiving dinners that uh, by, with Gentiles they don't sing in this. I don't know what Ramesha means by the hinger and the simcha, but as long as there's, do it, you can do it. So then they say, well... well yeah, no, I don't know. I, 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 do it, do it. And but Reb Meisha, Reb Meisha says, uh, "What else are they asking? What about next year?" You know. Then he gets worried if you establish it as a chag. So maybe this year, yes. Next year, no. Third year, yes. Okay. Uh, the question of a chag we ended off this year was very, a very fascinating part of the Chaye Adam where he tells you the story of his personal chag, his family, how the fire ravished their building, their neighbors killed so many people, 
and he describes what happened to his wife's teeth. Uh, and she uh, goes into great detail and they declare the day that they were saved from the fire, a holiday every year. And in honor of being saved, he takes Mizmolus Letodo and writes a parish on it. It's all there in the Chayodim at the end. I gave you the source last week. I just want to make one correction. I think I said Mismalatodo is about Kobin Tamid, is about Kobin Toda. If I said Tamid, race it out and put in, it's Kobin Toda, obviously. It's the Mismal we say every day, but it has Chomets with it, so you don't say Cholomoid Pesach, Erevium Kippur, etc. There's certain times we don't say it because you can't finish the Kobin due to other uh, holiday factors. And uh, he writes a whole parish, and then that involves the whole question, can we establish a new Chag? And that gets us involved in, in Yom Atzmut and Yom Yerushalayim. And as I said to you, a great deal has been written on this topic. Halachulam I think the best approach to Chag Atzmut and Yom Yerushalayim is simply the Gemara Psachim, I believe it's Tav Kuf Tetvav, then when God does a miracle for us, we're obligated to say hallel and to thank him. And these are those, it's not separate holidays, it's part of the concept of thanking the Almighty. Now, I mentioned that also in Rav Moshe's trivet, you don't see anything in these trivet about Hakarat HaTov to America. So a Talmud sent me a letter of Moshe evidently signed. I don't think this is right before he died. It's from 1984, October 3rd, 1984. And uh, the letter, he signed it in English here. You can see, I don't know if this picks up here. You can see Reb Moshe's M. Feinstein in English. It reminds me of my grandfather's signature. Uh, my grandfather couldn't write English, but M. Rotkopf, K-O-P-F, that somehow he mastered. That was an achievement that he knew how to sign his name. And uh, this letter is about the elections in America. In reaching this, I'm reading what, what Reb Meshe signed on. I imagine his grandson... Uh, Mordechai dictated it and got Rav Meshe's approval. On reaching the shores of the United States, Jews found a safe haven. The rights guaranteed by the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights have allowed us the freedom to practice our religion without interference and to live in this Republican safety. Now, writing this about Rav Moshe is very important. Tell me, where did Rav Moshe come in Aliyah from? The Soviet Union. And Rav Nechem Yekats, his brother-in-law, worked very hard with politicians to get them out, to get them to America. So there's no question when you come out of the Soviet Union and come into the United States, you've got to be thankful the right to practice your religion. And uh, these words I want to say to the young Jacobs couple, you can only hear me. I was in Soviet, Mark and I were worked in Soviet Russia. 
You have no concept what we're talking about. In every city, there was one church left open, one synagogue left open. The see, the time is very smart. Older people, stupid people want to go to church, but in the church and synagogue, they had plenty of KGB agents. And some of them weren't even agents. They were Jews, impoverished. You gave the KGB a little information, and they rewarded you. Food, clothes, you have no idea what we're talking about. And you should know when Jews finally got out, here, our branch of the Mossad knew every Jew who he was. Some of them had worked with the KGB, but the attitude was, let them settle here. We'll watch them. You have to have pity and mercy, the pressures they were under. You follow? Who knows where we would be if we lived like that. And Kala Kavod, I have to tell you, I met great people in the Mossad. It's not politicians. Politicians have to worry about election. I can tell you endless stories about politicians. Thank God I didn't become one. I had a beautiful offer to be a Chavik Neset, and I said I must remain in the classroom behind the desk. And the person I told it to is one of the greatest Jews I've ever met in my life, Reb Chaim Drukman, Zeichet Tzadik Levracha. I said, Chaim And I felt bad. I had to say to him, Later in life, he hugged me and kissed me. Why? He came under attack for Geirut, that he was too lenient on Geirut, and they washed the floor with him. I don't have to tell you what goes on here. I hope it's past tense. I hope we're becoming a more united people. And there was a wedding where he was Masada Kedushin, or the Mechabit, him with the Bracha, whatever it was, I was at the wedding too. And they were Mechabit, me too. It's Russian people who came out of Russia. And when I got up, I called attention that I'm privileged to stand under the chuppah with Rav Chaim Drukman. Do you know who this man is? And I praised him in public. I never knew a little dummy like me. I praised someone that has, he hugged me and kissed me in tears afterwards. We go back to when he was Shliach Bnei Akiva to America in the mid-50s. That's how far we go back. So, all right, Reb Meish is right, in America, until now, now people tell me they're afraid to walk with Kippot in New York. I can't believe my ears. But until now you could practice. Um, and then Reb Meish goes on, and this is why the student sent it to me. Rebbe, there is Hakaret HaTov, a fundamental principle in Judaism is Hakaret HaTov recognizing benefits afforded us and giving expression to our appreciation. Therefore, it is incumbent upon each Jewish citizen to participate in the democratic system which guards the freedoms we enjoy. The most fundamental responsibility incumbent on each individual is to register and to vote. Therefore, I urge all members of the Jewish community to fulfill their obligations by registering as soon as possible and by voting. By this, we express our appreciation and contrib contribute to the continued security of our community.
M Feinstein. So I imagine this was a political statement, uh, perhaps for some candidate ultimately, but that's Reb Meisha, and that's Hakarat Hatov. Be sure this is recording. Okay. Let me uh, let let me uh, mark. Remember, I had this upside down. I don't know how well it recorded. The other one is perfect. Uh, let me go one step further now. Let me come to the heart of today's shear, which you will not have any problem identifying you're going to hear something that's worth 1,800 shekel to the IOU list. And then we're going to raise a certain problem. I don't know uh, exactly what the answer is. Uh, I now take you back to the rub shear. Hello? Okay, good. I take you back to the rub shear uh, a few years later. When I first came into the Rav Shares, I told you I sat in the second room, I was a frightened sheep. But uh, you got to rise to the challenge. And from the second year on, I sat blocking the Rav, as you see from the famous picture. Sat right here. Here. Aaron Lichtenstein sat right here. We blocked the Rav, but Aaron sat, he didn't go out. This way was to the door. So if I didn't stand up, the Rav couldn't get out. So here we are. That week, the Rav had a... He, Rav came in Tuesday morning. Uh, he flew in. Some years, he dro his wife drove and they had a black Dodge. I recall it vividly. And the Rebbitson, Rebbitson Tanya, or Mrs. Soloveitchik, as you knew her, she drove, she drove him from Boston. When, when she drove, they came in on Monday. Doctor. Do, well, no, she was called Mrs. She, she was in Mockford. You got to read, I'll quote the biography maybe later, but Tova just wrote a biography of her mother, beautiful biography. And she was in Mockford, people call it. You know, look, you know my thought, at my age, if someone calls me a title, it's a sad sign for me, you follow? All right, a Talmud has to say Rebbe, but I come into I daven Friday night with my son-in-law and daughter their shul that might they run. My my son-in-law is a, is a high-ranking with a high-ranking officer in the IDF, but I think in his soul he's really a rabbi. And my daughter is more of a Rebbitzin than my wife, uh, my eldest children. So I come into the shul. So people don't know it. there are a lot of Anglos there. So they say, for instance. Professor Rakhavet, how are you? Doctor Rakhavet, I look at them, I say, please, I'm not giving shit now. My name is Aaron, Aaron, Ani, whatever name you know me by. So the Rebbitson used to drive in. He gave, the Rebbe gave Shia Monday morning, uh, Tuesday morning rather, and Wednesday morning early, and flew back to Boston uh, there was, at that time, there was a shuttle, it was called. I don't know if it exists today, I don't think so. You came to the airport, and the middle of the plane was filled. It took off from, uh, from LaGuardia to Boston, called the shuttle. You follow? Like, uh, it, it didn't have a set time when it's filled. 
One week, the Rav had Siddur Kedushin in Boston, so he couldn't come in for Tuesday. So he made the Shia Wednesday, Thursday, that week. Telling you, I'm living it as it was. I'm not, not exaggerating Kihuza. And I can just see the sight that I've finished the Shia Tuesday. No, 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 Mendafkra. My God, do you know Yiddish or you don't know Yiddish? Donitzak, how do you know any Torah if you don't know Yiddish? The Torah is given in Yiddish. In fact, it's taking stuff out. You ask your father what I just said. So the Rav's looking at his watch. He says, No, Rav, Mendafkra, we have to make a time for tomorrow. Nine o'clock. Will you be here? I say, Rebbe, if you say nine o'clock, we'll be here. And then this Shmendrek here, the Chutzpan, says to the Rav, Rebbe, why so early? What's I say free? Whoever heard of his Shia nine o'clock? He always gave Shia ten o'clock. Nine o'clock? And we wouldn't, you know, it's not today. Nine o'clock for me is the end of the day already. Nine o'clock. And the Rav looks at me like this. He says, Arnold, what's with you? You don't know what tomorrow is? Thanksgiving Day. And I promised my wife will be at my sister's by two o'clock for Thanksgiving dinner. Quote, end quote. I wrote that, by the way. That's been quoted and re-quoted from Washington. So, number one, you see the rough Thanksgiving Day. Part and parcel. No Shiva. Part of his life, his world. It's probably, which sister was Gerber or Meiselman? He didn't say. It's probably, I'm only guessing, Shulamit Meiselman. The oldest sister. I, I knew all the Soloveitchik children, including Shulamit and including Anne. I had the schut to know all of them. Schut, mamish is schut. So I have to be honest with you. I write this up, but I can tell it to you. I was a fanatic. I was a kid. What did I know? And you got to remember, I had no parental guidance. My mother did the biggest... Uh, uh, Stucker, chesed, mitzvah of her life. She was zeicher to a long life and much nachat from her descendants, all her descendants. And it's, I think, very simple. She switched me from public school to uh, day school. Yeshiva Rabbeinu Yisrael Salanta. Second grade, first grade I was in public school, second grade. So, uh, you know, when you were, it's not that I was a... I'm not about Shuvasi. People don't understand that. Uh, my whole identity is Torah from the age of 10, 11. I, I'm not about Shuvah. I didn't have to destroy a world and build a world. But I had the advantage about Shuvah has. He has no parental guidance. He chooses on his own. You follow Tova? You, you didn't have to choose. You had parental guidance. So I had that advantage. So... I wouldn't eat Thanksgiving. My mother would make a deal on Thanksgiving, invite over my aunts, my uncles. I would sit in the corner and refuse to have turkey. I would have hot dogs. I, 
don't want to be part of the so that day I that day I come home and I say to my mother, Mom, I'm eating Thanksgiving tomorrow. She says, What happened, Arnold? I say, Rabbi Salavechik eats turkey. Why can't you be modern like Rabbi Salavechik? Why must you be so extreme? And boy, my mother hit the nail on the head. And absolutely the Rav, you see, Dr. Tova Lichtenstein said it best. She said this to me, and I'm, you know, our Aliyah, again, I don't want to boast or schmoes, but I have to tell you, when, when I, we went to Aliyah, it was unheard of. And I was eulogized. People portrayed me, Rashi Shivan, why you? And I was a good Rebbe. I have come, you know, I have come with them that I'm like this from the 60s until today. My clothes had, this past Sukkot, I, I celebrated with two Talmudim, who knew what would happen? It seems like a thousand, I wrote to one of them, it seems like a thousand years ago since we were together. Two Talmudim out of the 60s. Not the 70s, not the 80s, not the 90s, not the 2000s, etc. Out of the 60s. I was a good remedy, and I built the first Orthodox Shul, suburban Essex County. I was eulogized. Remember, Rabbi Belka, Dr. Belka made a farewell dinner for me. Natan, do you know what he said at the dinner? Dr. Rotkoff, whenever you will come back, there will always be a place for you in Yeshiva University. There are reasons why. I'm going to elaborate in the book I'm working on. He didn't put, no one believed the Rav. What did the Rav say? Rebbe, I'm going on Aliyah. How will you make a living? Okay, I got to Israel 69. Baruch Hashem, the Lichtensteins visited, came to see us. Two years later, they came in Aliyah. But you don't realize, and Tova said something hit the nail on the head. She said, when my parents became citizens in America, they gave Kiddush. When we left America, we gave Kiddush. You see, the rub was part and parcel. He, had he been elected chief rabbi of Tel Aviv in 35, I wouldn't be sitting here. Israel would be a different place would be unbelievably more from and, and religion all over and Torah part and parcel of the state. But never, I would be, who would my rebellion? I would never be the rock, never would have met him. Just think for a minute. But he didn't, wasn't elected. Avamir won. Yair Lapid, do you know this Tova? His wife is Ravamil's great-granddaughter. I taught so many of her cousins, you have no idea, old Sadikim. And then we have Yair Lapid, also descended from great rebellion in Hungary. But I have to tell you, his father went through the Holocaust. Someone who went through the Holocaust, I learned this at a very early age, I davened in Yeshiva Rabbeinu Chaim in the Bronx, Arthur Avenue. And there's one Jew davened every day, Mincha, Marev, Shachas, Shabbos. 
and it was said when his wife cooked chicken soup, she added half a container of milk every time. So I once asked the rabbi, I don't remember his name, it might have been Rabbi Tashish, and he said, people came to America, tried to find the shtala, it was a sad story. And uh, I asked the rabbi, what do you do? The rabbi said to me, looked me right in the eye and said, young man, you were not in Triblink. You were not in Auschwitz. Anyone who survived, you can't ask any questions. And that lesson helped me for the next 70, 80 years of my life, what I learned from that rabbi. So, yeah, people reached America. They embraced America. The Rav loved America, proud of America. Do you know the word Brahmin? B-R-A-H-M-I-N, Brahmin? Look it up in Webster out of Britain. You know what it means? Tell the class whatever. Proud to be, that's an Indian caste better than anyone else. It's also you, someone who thinks New England is better than anywhere else. Mark told the Rav, he comes from Holyoke. Ah, oh, Holyoke, Massachusetts, within spitting distance of Harvard, Yale, MIT, Radcliffe, Wessel. Oh my gosh, the hospitals. Elliot comes from New York. Pooh, second rate. Second-rate citizen, what does he know? What kind of culture? The Rav, wow, Maimonides Day School, like Ramaz. Ivy League colleges, boy, has all that gone down the drains these last few years, few months, few days, God have mercy. Natan, the Rav celebrated Thanksgiving Day. If anyone tells you differently, tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, we've arrived. How many of you recognize the name Victor B. Geller? G-E-L-L-E-R. All right. Mark, the day will come when they'll listen to it tape of Hashir and they'll hear me saying, Rabbi Dr. Lieutenant Colonel Mark Wiener and some like, who is he? Whoever heard of him? That, uh, Vic Yella was a graduate of TA in the late 30s, fought in World War II, Normandy and everything that went with it. Later came back and worked in the community service division for YU, worked for the OU, had his own travel agency, helped discover uh, Steve Riskin, Rabbi Riskin, Shlomo Riskin, whatever name you know him by, Vicky and Shlomo, Vicky and Steve, and then worked for YU again under Rabbi Lamb. He was the most insightful person I ever met. And he had a Sahara to write. He wrote books about World War II, about his family. They were not 
published, just family publishings, publications. But he wrote a book about his experience, uh, YU, OU, Young Israel. A guy named Aaron Rakefet fought like a dog to get the book published, and Rakefet succeeded. Orthodoxy Awakens, subtitled The Belkin Era and Yeshiva University by Vic Geller. Now, I have to tell you, the title is misleading because it's not entirely about Dr. Belkin, part of it. But it's so insightful where he talks about the Rav and Dr. Belkin and the interrelationship and CSD and the OU. He had a keen observer's eye. He died quite a few years ago already. Time marches on. It seems only like yesterday that I helped get the book published, but it must be every bit of 20 years. So I take you to page 187. Belkin never forgot how giving these good people would to him. And this is talking about Rav Shmuel Belkin came to America in 1928, arrived in Canada, family there, from there came to New York. A young kid, 17, 18 years old, penniless. And just imagine, he went on, people don't believe me today, he made the mistake of his life. His mistake played an unbelievable role on a guy named Aaron Rekhefet. What was his mistake? No, yes, he was the most beloved Rebbe in the yeshiva in the 1930s and professor of Greek and Latin, Louis Feldman later. If again, I'm mentioning a name already, you're looking at me. Professor Feldman, Zechad Fadik Levracha, succeeded him later, years later. The students loved him. He was the ideal of Torah and Derech Eretz, Torah and Mada, whatever you call it. Students loved him. And Reb Shmuel went on, had this dream. Uh, whatever you want to call it. You have to have a dream. A guy like Rakefin, he's happy to sit behind his desk and then work around the clock preparing lectures. Yesh Mayayan. Had a dream, he's going to build a big university. And he built it. And in this chapter, Vic is talking about people who were good to him. Belkin never forgot how good these people were to him. They were part of the welcome of America. It was, however, to America itself that Belkin felt the most gratitude. He reached this country as a penniless young man. Its benevolent openness, its sympathetic readiness to help had a lasting impact. It earned him his it earned his abiding patriotism. A Torah-based university would be his personal thank you 
and a fine contribution by Orthodox Judaism to this wonderful country. So first of all, the whole concept of the university, and I happen to be writing about this at this very moment, it wasn't just for Jews. The collegiate level, Yeshiva College, Stern College, oh, we have a Turo College graduate here, right or wrong, but you're in the right camp because a dummy like myself has more influence today in Turo than in Yeshiva. I happen to, the president why YU is my student, but he never consulted me who's there. The vice president of Turo is also my student. Rabbi Kripka had a bracha at your wedding, and uh, he consults me all the time. I have more influence there than in my own home, but all right, that's life. The whole concept of the university, the graduate schools, our gift to America. Now, I, I got to tell you parentheses. I'm not commenting on the contemporary situation. I don't know whether a yeshiva university is viable today with the idol worship of Woodstock in the Western world. The problem we have because of a Sakma descendant who went to court with the lesbians, etc. It's hard for me to mouth these words. We're in a terrible position today because the law of the land can put Rakefit into jail for saying he will not send flowers to a same-sex marriage. For Hayyudavarim me'olam. But I'm talking now in Rabbi Belkin's time, 45, 40, the dream, 80 years ago, 90 years ago. Wow, we're going to give America a Torah institution which will also have graduate schools that will not have classes on Shabbos and Yontif and kosher cafeterias, and Jew or Gentile, you can go beyond your bachelor's, medicine, social work, psychology, the Belfast School of Science and Mathematics, which no longer exists, unfortunately. Okay, this was Rabbi Belkin. But let's go further. Two examples, I'm quoting Vic now, Two examples of the death of Belkin's patriotism to his adopted country are worth noting. Belkin made Thanksgiving Day a personal holiday. In his early years at Yeshiva, he used to invite groups of students to his home for a festive Thanksgiving dinner. While they appreciated the honor, the students were somewhat surprised. No other Rosh Hashiva ever took notice of any American holiday, let alone celebrated it. At one dinner, a student got up. The courage to ask Rep. Shmuel Belkin why he recognized a holiday which was after all attributed to the Christian Puritans. Belkin answered by pointing out that Thanksgiving was more Jewish than they realized. 
he considered the holiday dinner a contemporary expression of the Korban Todah. And Dr. Belkin has a footnote here quoting Rabbi Zev Gadholt, who he interviewed in 1995. Yomosh, when you hear the name Zev Gadholt, you should be standing up. This was a yeshiva student from the late 30s into the 40s, one of Rabbi Soloveitchik's top students, Rabbi Shmuel Belkin and the Rav. And he came in Aliyah at a very early stage. And if I'm not mistaken, this should be checked out. Mark, check it out on the internet. Zev Gotthold, G-O-T-T-H-O-L-D. I think he was South African and came to New York to study at Yeshiva University. I yet had the pleasure of meeting him in Israel. I came in Aliyah 69, and he worked for the Misrata Datat, if I recall correctly. And he was a Talmud Chacham par excellence. Elliot, he is the one who asked the Rav, asked Dr. Belkin, how do you celebrate Thanksgiving Day? And Rav Shmuel answered him, Korban Toda. But that's not the end. I, this was told to Vic Geller by Rabbi Ralph Shulchalta. Mark, the name mean anything to you? Oh, you're lacking in history of the inner workings of Yeshiva University. Rabbi Ralph Shulchalta was a f two years ahead of me, I would say. He married a girl who's exactly my age. The girl's first name was Linda. Can anyone give me the last name? Belkin, B-E-L-K-I-N. Unfortunately, Tova, close your ears now. The marriage did not last. Linda had a difficult time. She married, I don't want to go into more details. Rav Shuchalter, he married after this book, his children from Linda, I had the privilege of having taught quite a few memories, members of the family, and a son lives not far from here in Baca with grandchildren, etc., children, etc., grandchildren. Can I inherit? Uh, Zach, only he could be witness to this. Young people, do you remember when the radio began? Today, Elliot, you wake up at 3 o'clock, you turn on the radio, it's a radio. 724, America, Israel. When I was growing up, the radio ended 12 midnight. When I came in Aliyah, exactly the same story. When the radio ended in America, how did it end? It played the Star-Spangled Banner. Does anyone remember this? Do you know this? Ralph Schuchalter was eyewitness. The second example of this reverence for America was more private and more touching. In the early days of television, 
the channels ended their broadcast at midnight. The sign-off was marked by the playing of the star-spangled banner. If he was watching, Belkin made it a rule to stand during the rendition of the national anthem. Why are there tears in my eyes? My dear young people, whenever I hear the national anthem, I stand. Not the national anthem, Hatikva. That's the difference. The Rav and Rav Shmuel Belkin gave Kiddush when they came to America. America was good to them. I view America as a stepping stone that saved us from Hitler, that gave me the ability to study in Yeshiva University of my time. I got the greatest education than anyone could ever get. Not that they didn't teach me much. What I know today, they taught me 1%, but they taught me a system, a commitment, an ability to search, to learn, to study, to go further. Wow, what a debt I owe to Yeshiva University. All the branches, Talmudical Academy was the greatest school in the world in my time. Yeshiva College? I was in Louis Feldman's first class ever, September 1955. Bernard Revel Graduate School, take an American kid, expose him to great minds at so many different levels. Rishonim, Achronim, Shevet and Shuvet, Jewish history, Aramaic. Ach, I didn't at the time, I don't know how much I realized. I realized it's a blessing. Today, I realize a blessing to the 99th power. All right, I admit that. I've done a lot of learning research on my own. But the derech, how, when? This story of Rav Shmuel Belkin, wow. He hears the Star Spangled Banner. And he can't remain sitting. He stands up. And the fact that it's Ralph Schuchhalter, you can believe it. Because no outsider could have ever been witness to that. That was Ralph Schuchhalter, his son-in-law. Okay, let me just get my pages in order. This is the rug. I, I quote what I wrote. My mother probed as to what had transpired. I responded that I now had learned that Rabbi Soloveitchik observed Thanksgiving Day. She retorted, quote, Arnold, Arnold, why must you be so extreme on your observances? Why can't you be modern like Rabbi Soloveitchik? And this is the Shmuel Belkin, Hakarit Hatov. Wow, Thanksgiving Day. Not even a Shaila. Yes, see, let me go further.
Let me bring it down to today. To people you know. I get a letter and information. A Talmud, I believe he's in Teaneck, Jeffrey Rosenfeld. Musmach from the Kolel, from the Yeshiva. And he sends me information on, I have it in front of me, you have to believe me, information on the Spanish-Portuguese synagogue. Spanish-Portuguese synagogue, and we're talking the shoes where Rabbi Yaakov Meir, uh, do I have it right? Or Mayor Yaakov Soloveitchik is the rabbi, the main rabbi. There's also a Sephardic rabbi. And they celebrate Thanksgiving Day here. Western Church. Church of, I can't even pronounce the second part, Jesus C of Latter-day Saints Congregation She'erit Israel and they're making an appeal for Meshiba to help poor people. We are proud once again to join with our community's first faith partners, the Jewish Center, Western Church, and the Church of Jesus, Sea of Latter-day Saints, to celebrate Thanksgiving in the true spirit of the day by giving to others. We will be holding this year's Parkathon in our tented outdoor pavilion, paved paradise. With the help of Masiba, we will pack over 1,000 nutritious food packages for those in need. And Masiba is partnering with DoorDash to distribute them free of charge right to the doors of the needy who need them. And this is, wow, they give the whole schedule for Thanksgiving Day, 7 a.m. to 8.15 morning services with our special Thanksgiving Hallel in the main sanctuary. 9 to 11, parade viewing for children. They have to register, they must have big TV screens. Macy's Parade, Thanksgiving Day. Macy's, Natan, Jewish or not Jewish? There wasn't a department store in the East Coast of America that wasn't Jewish. These were the German Jews after Civil War conquered the, war, conquered the world. Macy's, Bambergers, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Kleins, Gimbel's, Sachs, Fifth Avenue. Wow, my gosh. Yomo, if you had their money, you could buy the whole YU campus and present it to Macon Lev. Could you imagine? Gris would be gone. 
part of my homeland, Spanish Portuguese synagogue. Tell me, Jesus see church working together? Advertisements? I don't know. But I depend upon Yaakov Meir Soloveitchik, the son of Rebbe Yahu Soloveitchik, the son of Rabarin Soloveitchik. Mark, you have a way of getting to Rabarin and asking him, Rebbe, what's your opinion? Your grandson. Spanish, Portuguese, you know what we're talking about? The oldest shul in the United States. If you ever want to know why we have to have a machitza, go to Spanish-Portuguese. Fiddler on the roof. Tradition. What? I don't know. I'd like Pastor Barron, but I humbly bow my head. They know what they're doing. And I will show you. Religious Discourse, Thanksgiving Day, November 26, 1789, by the Reverend Gershon Mendes Searches. I trust I'm pronouncing it right. Searches. With an introduction by Isidore Mayer, Jewish Historical Society of New York. Published in 1977. Publication, American Jewish Historical Society. No, I just quoted something. You know what this means? You know how much you have and what I just said a minute ago? First of all, let me tell you, Isidore Mayer, name doesn't mean anything to you. Isidore Mayer was a Jewish historian, a little guy, skinny. When I met him, he had to be into his early 60s. He davened every morning at the minion in, what do you call it today? I don't know, the base medrash in the main academic center building, the original building of the yeshiva. In my time, what was it called? Uh, Goddessman? No. Uh, Fischl? The Harry Fischl Base Medrash. What, what's it called today? The Harry Fischl. Oh, Baruch Hashem, the name is retained a hundred years later. Never heard of that. At the end of 50, there are any trivet missing. How soon you can sell off the name? Generally speaking, 50 years. Now, this little guy, I don't know how he picked up on me. He heard I got my doctorate in Jewish history, Bernard Revels, and I used to daven every morning at this minion when I came in by car. And I had to rush back to Maplewood, so I would come, leave my house at 6 in the morning early to get before rush hour, get to YU. They used to say, no one traveled further to daven at this minion than our Rebbe. I davened at that minion. He knew I got my say, came over to me. And he said to me, 
you got your doctorate. But that's not enough. You have to do postdoctoral research. And I have a topic for you. And he threw out the topic, the Ridbaz. And that's how I got involved with the Ridbaz. I owe it to this gentleman. And of all my postdoctoral research, nothing has been more widely quoted in scholarly circles than my work on the Ridbaz. Who published it? Publication, American Jewish Historical Society. Now, he published this Thanksgiving discourse, this sermon. It's worth it, and a copy was sent to me from Mendel Gottesman Library, Yeshiva University, and what a beautiful sermon. But what do you see from the sermon? Total dedication, love of America, Spanish, Portuguese, total embracement of the United States. However, I have to add a postscript. And you can accuse me of being a over-haughty Zionist. And I'll accept the accusation. I mentioned the name Gershon Mendesatius. Anyone who took a course in American Jewish history or American Torah history, you all heard me say 16, 17 years ago in this very room that the first Jewish clergyman in America was Reverend Sirsis. Absolutely. The first one. Sermons, teaching, writing, inspiring. When I was growing up, the top tennis player, rackets, Rated number one in the United States in the 1940s was a person named Satius. And I woke up, Satius, Reverend, Spanish Portuguese. I think it was Vic Satius. S E. S-E-I-X-A-S, Satius, that's the pronunciation. Check it out, I think it was Vic Satius. Number one, a total wasp, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. There wasn't a golf club that wouldn't be honored to have him as a member. And then it turned out that he knew his great-great-great-grandfather was the first rabbi in America. And he cherished the picture he had of his great-great-grandfather. And my dear students, what do we see from there? Hakarata Tov to America? Absolutely. 
But unfortunately, so much assimilation, so much intermarriage, and you don't have any better example than Reverend Sirsis and his great-grandson, the great tennis player. A lot of food for thought. Do we or don't we celebrate Thanksgiving Day with zeal, happiness, the national anthem, and all that it implies? Now, yeah. Let me go one step further. Not an easy question. Just think about Satius. But let me go one step further. How do you justify it? And Jesus, see, I can't, you know, understand, Mark, why I can't say C-H. It means our Messiah. It's not our Messiah. Right? Jesus, I can say, first name. But C-H is a problem. That's why we say Xmas. We don't say C-H-M-A-S. Xmas. Christians use Xmas because that in Greek gives us the same thing. It doesn't matter. For us it's Xmas because it's not CH. Greek, some of us knew yet. We're exposed to it. You don't know that Steve Riskin was Professor Feldman's top Talmud. No one realizes that he had a brilliant, he, if he had remained a Russian in learning, would have been a brilliant Russian Shiva. Uh, but you need time. You can't do too many things if you want to conquer all of Shas and Paiskin. Yomo, who certainly has to celebrate Thanksgiving Day, has a lot to be thankful to the United States, sent me an article on Thanksgiving. Obviously, he got it off the computer. Yomo, do you know wh where, what website you got the article? I think it was Wikipedia, no? It doesn't say Wikipedia. It's not like a regular Wikipedia article, but maybe it's a Wikipedia article. It's on Thanksgiving. And I'll tell you what's fascinating about this article. It goes through all the countries in the world that have a Thanksgiving Day. United States, Canada, Australia, Brazil, Grenada, St. Lucia, Philippines, United Kingdom, goes on and on. They all have Thanksgiving days. So I think this adds to the argument that the concept of thanksgiving is universal. There's nothing uniquely Christian, Catholic, Protestant about it. And then you go back to what we said a few weeks ago, Hakarat Hakov, Sukkot. What's the whole concept of Sukkot? Thanksgiving to God. The pilgrims cited it. 
the Dalit Minim, the harvest, in modern terms, the economy, the material part of life, the Sukkah, the Anane covered, the Almighty, the spiritual part. So I have to say, when all is said and done, Yomo's article opened my mind to what we said originally, that this is a universal concept. It goes back to the Bible, goes back to Sukkot, it goes back to the fact that every human being walking the face of the earth has to be modela kaddish baruchu that he created us and what he's given us. We shouldn't ruin it. We should only improve upon it. And that comes back to the Rav. The Chovat Halavava, the introduction to Chelek Gimel, where the Chovat Halavava decided this in class many times, where the Chovat Halavava says the basis of our religion is Hakaretov to HaKadosh Baruch And this comes back to the famous story, I reproduce it in my work on the Rav, the Rav tells the story, it's quoted and re-quoted that the Rav's relatives, Chaim, his grandfather, and another relative who was a Chabadnik, they went to visit some wealthy Jew, they had a request to make of him, and he was not home yet, he'd be home shortly, they were waiting for him. While they were waiting, they picked out some Chabad Sefer, and it discusses why the Rebani Shloven created the world. Chesed, Staka, to fear God. And Rav Chaim got upset with the volume and said, well, this is not so. Whatever reason, God created the world, he created it. We have to be Maketeifer. That's nothing to do with chesed, with stucker. These are God's cheshbonet. Our cheshbonet are hakoret hatov to the rebbeinu It's deep thinking. And then when you have the world, this is the rabbi nishalacha. Mieluet ha'aretz v'kivshuha. We have to improve it. God purposely left the world unfinished. Sefra Chinuch. Ah, basic. How many drushet have you heard where they quote the Sefra Chinuch out of Brit Mila? If a Brit Mila is so important, why doesn't the child be born circumcised? Why do we have to do a Brit Mila? And that's the chinuch. It represents the world is not perfect. We have to work further to complete it. And Tover, if you'll ask, but women don't have a brick mill? You're lacking the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Davchav Bet. A woman, I don't want to quote the Gemara now, not for men and women together, but you look up the Gemara, you'll see the relationship between a husband and wife, that's the secret of life. That's the Brit Mila. 
And that's the secret. Eshet Nurim. Can you ever forget that relationship? And let me give you a bracha. Be unaffected by Western world and Western world standards. Halavai. Your newlyweds. Shanari Shona. It should be magnificent all your life. And here I'll tell you a story. Bididi Havi Uvda in Michlala. I had wonderful students, the Israeli division, the Machal division. We're going back the early 70s. These people are great grandmothers today. Very famous Israeli families building Yehuda Vishomran. And I remember one of my students got married. And I said to her, well, how is marriage treating you? And she said, Rebbe, I would like to say Hallel every morning. I said, Halavai, all your life you should have that feeling to say Hallel every morning. And this is the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Tafchaf Bet. And this is conquering, improving upon the world. Natan, what do you say? Natan and Natanya. Well, the same name, same name. Same last name too today. Unless your wife is a feminist and... Uh, I, I don't mind the feminists who keep both names because they started their career... I don't like when it, the husband's name is not there. I say that's against the Torah. We keep track of families through the husband. We keep track of religion, which is infinitely more important, through the mother. Okay? Okay. I have no problem. I can give you so many sources on that. But we suffer. Shiloh Asani Yisha? Anyone ask me that question? When you give birth, you'll ask the question. Who then keep your mouth shut, wise guy? Now the answer has to has to do with mitzvah that a man is more mitzvah, but there's a lot more to it. Look into the M. Samuel Moshe Samuel translation of Jerusalem by Moses Mendelssohn in English, 1840, and in the introduction he already deals with this question. There already beating up on the rabbis that they say Shaloh Asani Yisha. You have to see his beautiful English. The travails of childbirth. And believe me, I know what I'm saying. I'm a father, a wife, daughters, granddaughters. What I have seen is Sirat Nefesh, children, birth, Shmirat Hayrayon, Birds, what are the, where, where they have to take the baby out? What do they call that where there's no pigeon or ben anymore? Uh, C-section. Uh, what's it called? Cesarean uh, section. That's the technical word. You'll, in Hebrew, what's the word? Dolphin, I think. You'd say dolphin. Yeah, right, right. You'd say dolphin is, uh, that's what came to my mind first. But in English, it's uh, cesarean. Yeah. A cesarean. Because they claim that, that Caesar was the first person born through cesarean. Well, all I know is that I have one Bukhar who didn't have a pidyon of Ben because he was cesarean. So 
Baruch Hashem, Shalom Asani Yisha. And a woman says with pride and happiness, Asani Karitzo, no. It hurts me. Steve Greenberg, Erwin uh, Yitz Greenberg has uh, confusing two students that I should be, I, I, sh I shouldn't, I, I should be confusing because they're in the same camp, unfortunately. Today's Jerusalem Post, you'll see the article against uh, Ben Gvir and Smutridge. I can't even repeat it. It's beyond words. Beyond words. Okay. Mark, you end off the class. Mark Wiener showed me how far uh, these holidays have taken roots. Thanksgiving Day, and then the whole Xmas vacation. The Agurit Yisrael, the OU. Elliot, would you say Agurit Yisrael is from? We hope so. Would you say the OU is from? We hope so. When did I schedule their conventions? Who's Thanksgiving Day? It's the OU are good at how does it work? The Xmas holiday. Big conventions. Why? People are off. People can attend. People can come. Businesses are shut. School is out. And you talk and have the big conventions planned around the secular Goyesha non-Jewish calendar. And as far as I know, no one has challenged the oh, you are good uh, Thanksgiving Day. Midwinter, what do I call it? Midwinter holiday. What's the word they would give? Midwinter recess. Is there a formal word? I don't know. Midwinter break. My days, the word break didn't mean that, but okay. Midwinter break, like a break from the regular schedule. And no one has gotten up and called it Chazakreif, going back to the way I began. Let me end off with a little introduction to what we start next week. Next week is a million times more important than the Thanksgiving Day lectures. And it also gets us involved with contemporary issues, including YU. Dr. Tova Lichtenstein recently published a fabulous article on her mother. Yomo downloaded it for me. Unfortunately, all these issues were sent to me in the mail and got lost between arrived in Israel and totally lost here, and I wrote letters, I wrote a law, I had to pay 137 shekel uh, tax, and all I got was an empty bag, and I've written letters to the, to the mail department, and I got an answer like, mail Tung is coming to Shia tomorrow. Uh, maybe when the war's over, I'll write again, or ask my daughter uh, who to write to. Unbelievable, but that's life. Uh, so, Yomo downloaded the article, 
And uh, in the article, she writes about her mother's doctorate. As you know, uh, Mayor Mark said about an hour ago, Dr. Soloveitchik, why do you say Mrs. Soloveitchik? She had a doctorate in education from Jenna University. Her doctorate was written on the very, on this Jewish school system in Poland. And by the way, they're publishing their doctorate today in English and in German. And it's very, it's like explaining what Maimonides is all about, Ramaz is all about, even Yeshiva University. And she writes about the various school systems and basically there was the modern school system, Tarbut, the Yiddish school system, which totally denied religion. On the other hand, there was the old-fashioned Cheda system, and she writes about it had no general knowledge, and also students were beat up, corporal punishment. And when I was growing up, I told you, Yeshiva Salanta, every Rebbe had a ruler on his desk to give me your hand and gave you a whack. Wow. No, corporal punishment. And she advocates what would be the best. And there, there was some school authority, Tachkamoni, the Mizrahi system, where there was Torah, general studies, no corporal punishment. And uh, this corporal punishment stares at us. And I grew up, uh, you know, parents beat their kids. It was accepted. I don't ever remember uh, beating up my children. I don't ever remember my daughters, my sons-in-law beating up their, my grandsons, my grandchildren. I say grandsons because God has a sense of humor. We have only daughters and it took 13 grandchildren to see one granddaughter. The 14th is a granddaughter. And uh, corporal punishment is around. It's in the news today. The United States, Jewish Regardical, New York State adopts ban on corporal punishment proposed in wake of yeshiva probe. And here's a whole article that New York Times swears is accurate. And a lot of Jewish state assembly people. And uh, as a yeshiva parent, former student, I'm not familiar with the use of corporal punishment in yeshivas, nor would I tolerate this. This is Simcha Eichenstein, a New York Assembly member representing Borough Park claims. And then you have other people who went through Hasidic schools and graduates of the schools who testified that there was and is corporal punishment. And the New York State just adopted a ban. 
no corporal punishment, you're subject to fine, to jail, all that goes with it, losing your job. And this is the next issue we have to tackle, but unfortunately it goes much deeper than corporal punishment. Let me not talk about it today. We've spoken about enough negative ad aspects of life. And unfortunately, what we're going to talk about, I could never believe it, but it, I know it's true. I've seen it, heard it, felt it, and tremendous question. Can you report it to the authorities? And yes, see, think about why you what we've gone through in the last 30 plus years. Okay. So to reiterate, I want to thank everyone for coming and honoring me with their presence. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. It has not been an easy weekend for me. And... Uh, the Chazatreif word, it just haunts me, but I'm not the only one I see, thank God, I think normally. Go to Emet via Muna, go elsewhere and see what's being said. But having students and being able to teach, you've given me life back, and I thank you. Mark, if you notice, the cotton's out of my ear. What did we do today? So we spoke about, everyone has sent me, please don't send me any more statements by Rashi Shiva from Lakewood or Tells or wherever. I've seen enough in one lifetime. Let's be healthy and positive and Tehradic. Total Torah people, not partial. And we spoke about that and we spoke about the Rav Thanksgiving Day, Reb Moshe Hakaratatov elections, Dr. Belkin, nothing equals Rav Shulchalta's evidence, Rabbi Shulchalta, his father-in-law standing up for the star-spangled banner. On the other hand, don't sleep too well tonight when you think of the curveball that yours truly threw out Reverend Satius and his seven generations later, number one tennis player, Vic Satius, Protestant, washed 100%, but still admitting whom his forebears were. We hear it, that's the challenge. That's the challenge, living in Gullus. Sooner or later it catches up. Okay, let's make Israel the greatest Torah country since creation. The public thoroughfare and hoping it always inspires on the private level. 
Tomorrow, anyone with a beard and pay a sebekash on the shrine will take it off and come to class looking like a yeshiva shalitva shabacha before World War II. We'd be introduced the topic last week. And we begin with the Vilna Gaon. Not that he established the yeshiva, but many people credit Reb Chaim Velashin's thinking to the Vilna Gaon. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but he certainly was inspired by the Vilna Gaon to put Torah above all, and we'll try to discuss various theories. We don't have any memoir from Chaim, but it could very well be that he recognized without serious Torah learning, the Jew will not survive in the age of Haskalah and enlightenment. Until we meet again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., I hope it will only be Besura Tovet Yeshuach, the Nechamot Das Vidanya, until we meet in health and happiness again. Yomo, please open up the world. Many intelligent, wonderful people listening. Let's see if they have any questions, comments. Open it up. Uh, one second. Recording call Zach. Zach. Call Zach back. Zach. 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 Tell Rabbi Miller all problems solved. Okay. And tell him I say thank you. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, go ahead. Are there uh, any questions around the world? Uh, if I may, I'd just like to say that Moses Samuel, who you mentioned, is a, a member of my family. Ah, so you have every reason to be proud. And um, his brother. Wow, wow, wow. And he translated Mendelssohn into English. 1840, mm-hmm. Jerusalem. And he wrote a beautiful introduction. And when I chanced upon it the first time, I was amazed that already in 1840 they were throwing spitballs at the rabbis because they say Shalom Isha. And he deals with it very beautifully. Thank you, Simon. That's a valuable piece of information. Kala Kavod. So one second, are you Svadik or Ashkenazic or mixed? Mixed. Mixed. All right, join the crowd. I have many great-grandchildren mixed today, and I make a shechiyanu that I'm privileged to have that schut. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Mark Licht, how you doing? Awake? I'm awake, but not kind of barely. Barely. All right, let me let, let you go to sleep. In Jack, thank you for honoring me with your presence. Thank everyone for honoring. And until we meet again in health and happiness, Dasvidanya. Bruchim to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Tova, I just want to tell you, your mother wrote to me in Zoom, uh, what she write about WhatsApp. <coughs> she asked us to, uh, Mark and I know nothing about that world. And uh, uh, so tell, I, I hope, I wrote her, I hope she'll come to visit you this year. And we, we'll get together, eye to eye, bring it to class, etc. A lot of wonderful memories. And your father got us that apartment where we had to stay. Uh, I was from Sada Kedushin and Sheva Brachis. my grandfather's grandparents' Yeah, the grandfather. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So you come from good stock. 
and uh, the name Jacobs is Pekarsky, Jacobs, you can't have better names than that. Uh, I asked uh, Yassi, is he related to Jacobs, the young Israel, uh, OU, uh, Harold Jacobs? I don't know if anyone else is present, young Israel, OU, family or not? You said no, but uh, check it out, maybe you'll find the link. Yes, Rat Hashem. I thank you for being here. Warms my heart. All right, let me get... Uh, this is not Wikipedia. It's Wiki1, which takes information from article from Wikipedia and dresses it up. It's Otokiverd... But if I said Wikipedia, I'm not wrong? No. It's the same article. It's exactly the same text. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Ah. Here, the, Look the up the Gemara Chavbet Sanhedrin. And at the end it gives out links to other Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, but you heard what I said. Your it, article it, it looks shows me that you can claim it's an international thing, universal. It's not just Jewish. You follow? Christian. And it's it not just Jewish or Christian, it's mm -hmm. universal. And if that's the case, Bukhotechum lo pelechu will not apply. No, that's why I specifically uh, took this article. Uh, right, right. It's very powerful. It's very powerful. All right. Let, w when is Thanksgiving Day? Was it already or is it, it this week? This Thursday. This Thursday. So that explains why my daughter-in-law and my granddaughter-in-law and great-grandchildren will be back before Thanksgiving. That explains the minister minds are heating. I have a question. My mom said when you were there in Chicago, you saw a family tree in someone else's apartment there, and you took notes about going back to David Hamelach. I think that was the Cohn family. Yeah, so that's our fit. Like we're related to them. You're related to the yeah. Cohn. So do you have a copy of it somewhere? No, no, no. no that's ancient history. I, uh, if I would have lectured on it, I would have a copy. But when I don't, when uh, you know, I, this this is not saved. I don't have it, but it could very well be. How do you relate to the Cohn family? I'm not exactly sure, but my <laughs> good intern, they were 